Hey everyone, welcome to episode whatever this is, two I guess. Yeah, episode two. You, you totally lost count. I did, you're right. God damn it. <laughs> Alright, yeah, episode two. Wherein we like precious metals. This is the Mercury Dimes podcast, Mercury Dimes and the men who love them. Um, so today we're going to start talking about some of the positives of precious metals from a few different perspectives. But before we get into that, um, as kind of a new segment, I guess want to try out a little bit. Let's talk about what we have done as far as precious metals and metals in general recently. So uh, any, any juicy tidbits to share? Uh, Nothing too groundbreaking. I haven't made any large bullion purchases lately. And I guess the biggest thing is I've decided to, to to follow Warren Buffett and invest in Barrick Gold. Although, Barrick? Is it, yeah. how, is that, how is that, does that spell like how it sounds? It's B-A-R-R-I-C-K, so kind of. Okay, okay. So, and that's, and that's a, um, a mining company or what, yeah, what is that's, exactly? that's one of the, the premier mining companies. Not the biggest, but very, very large, obviously, since, since Warren Buffett's buying into them. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, nothing major myself. Um, finally got a small fireproof safe, mainly for uh, personal documents, but moved my small collection of uh, metal in there. And then this doesn't, this doesn't even really count, but just figure I throw it out. I'm, I'm getting my, what's left of my stamp collection appraised with the eventual goal being to sell that just because it's um it's collecting dust, taking up a lot of room, and not really something I've been pursuing for quite a few years now. So maybe there'll be some uh, cash for more silver, maybe, but we'll see. Anyway, let's jump into the main topic tonight. So I'll just hand off to you. What are some of the reasons why owning precious metals is a valuable thing. I'm probably going to start from a personal level because I mean, I don't think anyone who listens to this is going to be a representative of a major organization that is thinking about storing some of their assets in precious metals. Um, You say that, but I mean, if if we get, if we get a hundred listeners, I'll be happy with that. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I'd say the the most basic reason to invest in precious metals as an individual is as a hedge against uncertainty. Because, you know, mostly the system kind of works as it's intended to. The stonks go up, the the money inflates, but not so fast that you can't use it as money, or excuse me, the currency inflates, but not so fast. Um, But it's just one of those those edge cases where just to hedge against uncertainty. You don't you don't know when we get a black swan event like we got earlier this year and what might be the best what might be a good response to that. It's the same reason why I would advise people to own guns and ammo and have food and a water supply in their house. By, by food you mean uh cans of beans, I'm assuming. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Maybe some soup, you know, just to, to, to mix things up, annoy the hypothetical wife a little less. Sure, sure. All right. So, uh, what, what do you what do you got next? Then, yeah, that, that that's a common. That that's probably that's probably the like, every every commercial you get on TV from uh, some very 
convincing old man is uh, that you need to own gold for uncertainty. But uh, the, what else we the, got? The boomer bait reason. Yes. Uh, secondarily, after that, this is another one I see pretty commonly, but more on the younger demographic, is speculation. Because there, there are, this doesn't so much apply to gold as to silver, because gold tends to be more stable in price. Because I mean, it's very widely recognized as a financial asset. But silver has a certain level of speculation to it. Although if you want to speculate in silver, doing so by buying physical silver is not the best route. But there's, there's a couple of reasons why silver has like less price stability and therefore a higher upside potentially. Like we're currently in a bit of a squeeze in silver. The, there's a deficit of about, I think, 200,000 tons or, no, or 200,000 ounces. I, I, no, that's, a, that's a big difference. I just forget the specific. <laughs> the, the point is... 800,000 of something is mined every year, either ounces or tons, whichever, I'm, I'm blanking on that detail, whereas a million of whatever that thing is consumed in industry. So there is a currently a squeeze on silver. What do you mean as far as consumed? So is consumed mean used in like items, products, yes. or does that mean, oh, okay, so that, that's not even talking about people just plain purchasing raw silver. Oh, no, that, that, that's... At least as I'm aware of it, that when you when you're purchasing silver bullion, that's a that's a whole entirely different uh, different area of the market. I guess I'm going to say, but what I was saying there about how we consume more than we mine, consume I guess is a way. When I say consume, it's stuff that isn't readily recyclable. Like the majority of silver that's put into electronics is not retrieved from the electronics because it's not really price effective to do so. Silver is not so expensive that people want to break down cell phones and get the silver back. Anyway. We're in that squeeze, and chances are the demand for silver is going to continue ramping up because everyone who's trying to push towards green technology, which i.e. solar, anything electronic or electric, that silver is very important in that. Silver is the most conductive metal by a long shot, and also it is fairly resistant to corrosion. Like silver will... uh, tarnish but it won't really corrode in most uh, scenarios so it's it's a very useful industrial metal completely outside of the investment part so for speculation pretty good though, although again don't physically stack it if you want to speculate in it Specu- or stacking it is for a hedge if, for, if you're if you're worried about the future right right okay so then to jump in a little bit here myself the kind of perspective that i have on it is as a an alternative investment. Um, I don't have any substantial investments in any kind of precious metal currently, but that's something that I see rather commonly just just in general, not even in times of economic uncertainty, is just a recommendation or suggestion at least to have some relatively small percentage of an overall portfolio in precious metals. Uh, anywhere from, I think, 5 to maybe 10% are probably the percentages that I've seen most commonly. The, the number I usually see is thrown around is somewhere between like two to five percent because okay. all, all things, you know, if, if, if things are relatively stable, precious metals aren't really going to appreciate. And obviously there's no returns on them. So it's not really something you want to invest in heavily if you're not worried for the future. I, as sure. to where I'm aiming, I don't really have a specific point. Like there's a certain dollar value I want to hit, but I don't want to. I'm not trying to have silver be, say, 25% of my portfolio. I just want to have okay. a significant chunk of it. It's it's a hedge. It's really prepping, though, in my case, kind of low-end prepping. I don't have a, a fallout bunker yet, but 
in the off chance, well, actually, let me back up here a little bit. Something like 25% of all fiat currencies ever go to zero. And I don't, I don't really have that much faith that the US dollar is going to continue on its very slow decline in my lifetime. I feel like it's more in my lifetime, the US dollar is going to significantly lose value like it did in the 70s. Coincidentally, after we went off the gold standard, hmm, chin stroke, chin stroke. So there's that. And there's also, I am a bit of a numismatist, I think is the word. So I have, I've spent far above the melt value of certain coins just to expand my coin collection. The cool factor of just being a, casually touring a shop and seeing some um, old or uncommon coin. There's definitely a, uh, there's definitely a cool factor there. Heck, that was what I think my first purchase was. I don't remember how long ago this was. Definitely prior uh, all this uh, pandemic. Um, I walked into a coin shop and saw, I think they were Morgan. They just saw they had a box of like the, uh, the junk tier Morgans sitting out. And like, yeah, why not? I know these are very heavily silver. I think they were selling for $20 a piece. And the guy included tax into that. So I just walked out with $40 for two really rough Morgans for no good reason other than because they were there and so was i and those are 30 bucks a pop these days huh well look at that i'm i am uh, <laughs> i should apply to work for warren buffett now i'm clearly i'm ahead of the curve what about more at a national level there was this article i was reading recently talking about uh which countries own or I guess, which countries have the most gold primarily? Why would countries, especially nowadays like the United States, which is, we are not on a gold standard or any kind of precious metal standard, like there's nothing backing our currency physically. Why would countries still be stockpiling so much precious metal? There's a couple reasons for that. One of which I'm kind of going to be spitballing on, but I think I'm mostly on target. So what, I'm going to start with silver just because I feel like it. Silver, although it's not stockpiled as publicly as gold, as I kind of referenced earlier in how much it's all the items it's used to manufacture, it is a strategically important stockpile. So basically any country that wants to be in, to some extent independent from the international market for the defense, they need to have silver. Otherwise, they're going to end up like Nazi Germany having to synthesize all their oil and all their and have, have their, their tanks and planes stuck in place because they can't run them. Except in this case, the tanks and planes won't be built because they didn't have any silver to build them. Silver to build them. Well, I mean, that still works because now 80-odd uh, years later, people are still circle-jerking about uh, uh, much superior German technology. So <laughs> That's what happens when you have a very good propaganda bureau. But uh, for gold, th this is... This is kind of representative of a larger issue in the international financial markets, but gold is an excellent asset to collateralize loans. It basically allows you, like, like I said earlier, fiat currencies have a tendency to go to zero. Gold does not go to zero. So if your, your government wants to re retain some kind of uh, fiscal stability, even regardless of whether you have a gold standard, having hard assets that aren't dependent on anybody else is very important especially if you're a Venezuelan dictator and you really want to hold on to power. So there's a, here's a question that I don't even know that I have an answer to. Why is gold perpetually valued in that way? There, there, I'm not sure how seriously people say this. There's certainly a lot of people who say that gold will lose value. 
But I think the answer to your question is a combination of it's not really, there's no expiration date on gold. It's, it's very unreactive. So it's not like it's ever going to expire. We still have like 95% of all the gold that was ever mined in the entire world. And it's, it's term something like network value or something like that. The same reason why uh, fiat currencies have value because everybody expects it to have value except for gold that is the, the case for basically everybody everywhere as long as there's been recorded history. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So there's just, there, there's a far longer history of constant demand for it more so yes. than, than any other, any other um, currency, obviously, but also just plain uh, elements in any kind of specific element. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it just kind of checks the boxes for money. It's, it's easy to recognize. It's easy to authenticate. It doesn't rust away. It's just back when, before we had the technology we had today, it was easy to ensure that you had a real gold and that's kind of held over till today. Till today. Although obviously Keynesians are not at all happy about that. Interesting. So looking at, looking at this article again, I, I don't think this is super current. No, this is from 2018. But at least at this point, the United States is, at least according to this article, has the most gold of any like federally held compared to any other country in the world um, with just over 8,100 tons, followed by Germany at 3,300, Italy 2,400, and France also at 2,400. China, interestingly enough, is only sitting with 1,800. So I can't, I imagine that must have changed a bit since then. But I guess the first question that comes to mind is, any idea ballpark how much 8,100 tons of gold is worth, at least as far as, at least in like our current dollar? I, I wouldn't give a, be able to give you a number for that off the top of my head. I have to do some quick math. Okay. What is, well, I guess make it easier. What is the current, um, what does it currently an ounce go for? So a troy ounce right now is about 1960 or $1,960. Okay. And there's 14.5 troy ounces to a pound and 2,000 pounds to a ton. So do that in your head real quick and you get the, All right. the value. Well, actually, let's back up really quickly. A troy ounce. So I've heard of a troy ounce before, and I think I've asked about this before, and I've blanked on the answer. What exactly – so obviously a troy ounce is slightly larger than an ounce because you just said 14.5 ounces in a pound. But what is the reason for that that separation or what exactly is a troy ounce? Why is that, why is that a thing? So I'm, I'm assuming most people listening to this will, will be aware of the whole thing about Napoleon being short. Like, Theoretically. Just, yeah. Um, it's the, for the same reason that his, Napoleon was regarded as being short is the, the reason between the different ounces. Europe used to have a bunch of different standards for their measurements. They, they defined pounds and ounces and feet as different measurements. And so we ha- that gave us the troy ounce and the, I'm going to butcher this, but the avoir de poids ounce or something along those lines, the, the, the latter of those is what we regard as an ounce, whereas the troy ounce is what we measure precious metal in because that was the standard at a certain point in history, and it just got standardized upon because, like I said, gold lasts forever, and you don't want to have to restamp all of your gold or, or melt down and then restamp all of your gold to a different standard of weight than you were previously on. So the, the troy ounce just stuck specifically for gold where everybody else uses the the standard ounce for everything else. 
Interesting. Also, a troy pound is 12 troy ounces. The troy pound is completely different from the normal pound, too. Okay, well, that is just complicating. That is complicating my life dramatically right now. But it also sounds like, so the, the standard, the common ounce, sounds like that was a very uh, French name. So this is back from a time in world history when France was actually contributing something of value to the uh, world stage. What do you mean? France still gives us amazing movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, amazing is certainly one way to qualify Netflix's latest boondoggle. If if memory serves, the troy ounce originated in France as well. Interesting. Okay. All right. So this is kind of maybe getting ahead of a little bit here, but are there any countries currently that are using their gold reserves to back their currency? Countries that want to peg their currency to something other than, you know, hopes and dreams usually peg it to the U.S. dollar or another country's more stable currency. Hmm. Well, generally, spe- generally speaking, uh, currencies are, are what we call floating in that it's basically just market value for the currency with, you know, a little bit of central bank, central bank manipulation in there, varying by country. So if someone was arguing against the need for a gold standard, would it... Uh much of a reach for them to say that the U.S. dollar is currently backed by every other currency that's pegged to it? I think you might have that backwards in that those currencies are backed by the dollar because they're they're basing themselves on the strength of the dollar. It's not the other way around. Like you could use it in that sense, but I think if the dollar's in trouble, all the currencies backed by the dollar are going to be in worse trouble. I mean, you can't possibly be insinuating that all of those truckloads of pallets of crisp new Benjamins that are being printed out of every mint the United States has currently are only valued because uh, we all believe that they have value. You couldn't possibly be saying that, could you? Uh, I don't know why anyone would suggest that. They probably just hate America. That's, That's fair. That's very fair. All right. Well, what did we what did we miss then? Hmm. Actually, two things I think. Um, this is backing up a whole bunch actually for both of these, but you mentioned kind of the cool factor when you bought yourself a couple of Cole Morgans just because they thought that you thought they looked cool. And I mean, that's something else that a couple of our friends have stumbled into recently. They don't really give a crap about precious metals, but they're interested in certain aspects of history. And if you, you, you mention a coin that's from a historically significant country, like say Nazi Germany, communist Russia, Rhodesia, et cetera, et cetera, they're going to be interested just because it's a, it's a durable memento of an interesting time in history. Right. Right. Absolutely. Which is, I guess that I guess that that uh, fits into the market value, or above and beyond, you know, the melt value of the metal. And then the other one, backing up to when we were talking about reasons to have metals as an investment, just a more elegant way of putting it, putting what I said earlier, it eliminates counterparty risk. Once you own metals, your risks are fire so hot that it melts your metals and removes any value besides the melt value appropriately enough and robbery anything else like you, do, you don't have to depend on the electrical grid working you don't have to depend on any financial institution at all 
It's just you have it in your hand, and as long as you can trust yourself, you can trust the money. Right. Okay. Okay. No, that that um, that all makes sense. I just wanted to say counterparty risk and sound smart. That is a lot of syllables. Anyway, all right. Well, I think that's about it for today, Ben. Um, just to just just to clarify, next week we're going to get into the the opposed some of the opposing arguments, some of the downsides, basically things to very much keep in mind, as well as any other related details we can come up with. But that will be a very short episode, obviously. I mean, I don't know. I have a lot of uh, super well thought out, totally not half-assed opinions I, I could share. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But all right. Uh, thank you, everyone. And uh, we will talk again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mercury Dimes and the Men Who Love Them. Please be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast and be on the lookout for new episodes coming out roughly every week. The podcast website is www.mercurydimespodcast.com. We are also trying out posting these episodes on BitChute and Library. Those channel links are in the show notes. Finally, if you have feedback, suggestions, or just want to shill the hot new crypto that your wife's boyfriend just traded you for your Nintendo Switch, then email us at mercurydimes at outlook.com. Until next time, keep stacking that silver, my dudes. We are not investment professionals, and this is not real investment advice. If you take action on any of this information without consulting a real financial advisor, you're even dumber than we thought. Stop it. Get some help.